success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And guess what? We have He's Invincible with us today. And I am so excited to introduce you to this invincible man. Sean Barnes is a seasoned cross-functional leader with over 20 years of progressive experience in digital strategy, leadership, development, operational excellence, HR, HSE, and ESG. Over the years, Sean has had the opportunity to lead and be a part of the acquisition and integration of over 50 companies, as well as going through two initial public offerings of oil field services companies. His passion and desire to blend aspects of leadership development with operational excellence led him to start WSS Solutions and the host of the Way of the Wolf podcast. Both are focused on building leaders and high-performing teams capable of delivering results far above expectations. Oh my gosh, Sean Barnes, welcome to the show. I can't even tell you how excited I am to have you here. Cami, I love your energy. I know you were able to come on my show last year and it's just been I've been waiting and waiting for this moment. So I am pumped. I'm excited to dive in. Oh my gosh, me too. Talk about waiting, right? Patience in the game. Well, let's not wait any longer. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? Okay, yeah, I think it started... After college, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Now, this was over 20 years ago, and I tried my hand at starting a couple of businesses. One was just a computer repair company because technology has always come easy to me my entire life. That ended up not really working out. And then I tried starting an automotive speed shop where I would modify race cars because that was also something that I enjoy doing. Also didn't really work out and eventually got to a point where I had to start paying bills. And so I got a full time job and ultimately ended up landing in oil and gas. I've spent over 16 years working in, in oil and gas for two large oil field service companies. Those are the companies that I went through the IPO process with. And for the majority of my life and career, I've been very focused on technology. It's something that just always came easy to me throughout my entire life. And that was my passion. That was my purpose. And once I got into my mid-30s, I started realizing that there had to be something more. And, and I don't know if it was just because IT was easy for me at that point in time. And so I started reflecting and thinking about, okay, what is this? Why am I not fulfilled? Because by most people's standards, I had achieved great things. 
I was a vice president of IT and I had hit that six figure salary and was earning all the things and getting all the things that I had always wanted, but I wasn't fulfilled. And what I realized was I wasn't challenged anymore. And so I started seeking some sort of a challenge. And the opportunity arose, well, I raised my hand to start leading the human resources team, which ended up being a little bit more challenging than I anticipated. I thought, oh, well, this team, they're struggling. I can fix that. Ooh, yeah. Once I started diving in and understanding people or trying to understand people, it was a whole different world for me. And since then, that was about six years ago, seven years ago, where I started leading human resources along with IT. And since then, I've started leading safety and transportation and ESG and the project management office and kind of all of these different functional domains, which which has been like drinking from a fire hose. But it's also been an incredible opportunity that shift my perspective on business. And over the years, I've come to realize that I have this passion around building people and developing teams and helping them achieve great things. So that has really turned into my purpose in life, which is just helping people out. And so now I find myself in a situation where I'm ready to transition out of corporate America and start my own company. And, and I just can't begin to express how excited I am at the opportunity to do that. Because what it means is I can positively impact more lives than just the, the lives of the organization that I'm currently working at. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this next chapter of my life. And, and while it is a little bit intimidating and scary and, and I'm a little bit nervous, but I think if I wasn't, that probably wouldn't be a great thing. I'm, I'm excited for the change and I'm excited for the challenge. I love it. Well, I I think, number one, you are up for this challenge. I think you're going to slay this entrepreneurship thing, Sean. And I'm just so excited for you. And I love, I know before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about, you know, people's idea of entrepreneurship, right? (laughs) Like they're going (laughs) to leave their job and work less and make more, right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) No, no. Let's check in on those people. I'm not sure they're okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But there's so many things about entrepreneurship and I can't wait to dive into them. But there's so many amazing things. Of course, they come with a price, but but amazing. And I'm so excited for this journey and so excited to be here to talk about this today and support you in your new company. So this is amazing. What an honor. So tell us what makes you invincible. You know, I sat down with our CEO. This is probably about six years ago. And I had not been leading human resources for that long at this point in time. But this was, we had an employee relations issue that blew up and got really out of hand. And I had to stop everything that I was doing and drive to another state to work through these issues. And whenever I came back and was debriefing the senior leadership, a comment was made to me. She said that a number of people defined me or described me as a calming force. I was not always a calming force. I used to be a hot-headed teenage guy that would blow up and especially working in technology, I would get so frustrated at all these different things and sit in the back and be a keyboard warrior. But once I started leading human resources and better understanding what motivates people, what drives people and how to better understand people, it shifted my perspective entirely. 
And, and one of the biggest things that I've learned is the importance of listening to understand instead of listening to respond. And when you take that time to go into any sort of a heated situation and just sit down and listen and hear their perspective and hear what's going on, and you genuinely care, that shifts the entire story around. As opposed to, oh, well, this happened and you're going to get written up or you're in trouble or go in with the intent of understanding and being empathetic and respond with kindness and candor. You've got to be honest. You've got to work through these situations. But I would say what makes me invincible is my ability to walk into a heated situation and be the eye of the storm and calm people down through any challenging situation. I love that. Well, that calming force shall go with you through your entrepreneurship journey because that will pay off in greatness. Uh, honestly, amazing. I love that. I love, and I love the story. And it's, you know, it's so cool because it was more than one person, right? It was many people who say that about you. So then you're like, okay, it's not just one person, it's really real. And I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, you paved the way so beautifully because today we're going to be talking about building your people and allowing them to build your business. So that is, and wow, just the journey so far, I see so much of how you have been supported, as you mentioned, like being like the crazy teenager who blew up. I'd love to get into like how you transitioned out of that into yeah, I'm sure it was experience, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, but let's dive into this. Um, leadership is my favorite topic of all topics in the world. So I know this is going to be the best conversation ever. So talk to us about one, how you build your people and two, why is it important to build your people? Well, I think you got to start off from a place of having the ability to check your ego. Once you step into a leadership role, it's no longer about you. It's no longer about how many tools you can design, how many widgets you can produce. You transition from that, that powerhouse that's getting things done into a force multiplier. It's no longer about how much Sean can output. It's about how much can Sean help Sally increase her output and Jason increase his output and John increase his. So you have to be able to check your ego and realize that it's no longer about me. It has to be about your people. And that has to be the foundation as a leader for you to truly become a long-term successful leader. And you see people that step into a leadership role and maybe they're they're undeveloped or they don't have experience as a leader, or maybe they just have a massive ego and think, oh, I'm in charge now. And they drop the hammer and they see results for a short period of time. But ultimately, people don't want to work for a boss like that. And you can bide their time, you can pay them a whole bunch of money, but their output is not going to be on par with the output of somebody that genuinely knows their boss cares for them and is trying to help them grow and succeed. And whenever I think about my journey of leadership, earlier I mentioned how I was leading IT and then stepped into HR and then these other functional domains. There is, I'm supremely confident I would not have been able to successfully step in and start 
leading human resources had I not spent years building and developing our now vice president of IT, someone that I've worked with on and off for over a decade. And he turned into one of the strongest technology leaders I've ever come across. And I'm confident that I would not have been able to successfully step away from IT and start leading HR as well, had he not been able to step up and start leading the team with me focusing over here. And so I think that's a a prime example of the importance of building the people on your team. And I do run into this a lot. This just hit me where people will step into a leadership role and they continue to do the job that they were doing before because they're afraid of, well, if I'm not doing anything, then there's no reason for me to be here. And if a downturn hits, I'm going to lose my job. And nothing could be further from the truth. Once you turn into that force multiplier, you start building the people up over here. Then you move over to another domain. You start building them up. Then you move over to another domain. And when you create that kind of value for an organization, your head is not going to be in the chopping block. It doesn't matter. It's about creation of value and building the people up around you. I love that so much. And what this makes me think of is um, this that, you know, people say a good leader creates or, or gains followers, but a great leader creates leaders. And that's exactly what you're talking about here is that, you know, the ego wants all the followers, right? All the cheerleaders, rah, rah, you're so great, yada, yada. But the true, amazing, successful, productive leader is creating other leaders. And that's creating a legacy. As you just said, like you were able to step away from that position because you had created such a leader in the person who was taking your place that you didn't have to look back. You could let go. And you created that so that you could go on and take on that new role. And I think too many times, as you just said, and I actually did this myself once, (laughs) just once, was uh, kept on taking on new things and not letting go of old things. And then one day I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing a hundred things. I got to get rid of 98 of them, right? And so uh, I see how that happens. And that really does, it it really stifles the uh, greatness of leader that you can be when you're being, it's like being tethered down to all these other things that are not relevant anymore. And I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, one for me, I was, you know, um, making sure this was the story I told myself. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I was going to love where I was going next before I let go of where I was. Right. Which is silly now, but, uh, but I mean, we tell ourselves some of the craziest stories, right. And all, They all come out of ego, insecurities, right? Things like that. Oh, this is so good. All right, let's keep going. Okay, perfect. So anything specific on that topic that you wanted me to dive into deeper or did you want me to transition over to something else? No, let's let's keep going with this. Um, How's the effect on the business? So let's go with that as like how... What is the best way to grow your business through your people? Because, you know, I was in a corporation and P&L meant profit and loss. And then I got into this other company and P&L meant uh, people in love. 
right? So, <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. like they all maybe use the same words, but they're all different and they all mean something different in the end. So let's talk about that. And yeah. uh, how does this building of the people that, that ties into building of the business, how does that secure these successful companies in the future? Okay, this is a this is a great topic because you touched on PL, we talked on building people. As I've stepped in and started leading more functional domains, there is a metric by which I measure the productivity or output of the people on the team. And I'm gonna speak in in broad numbers just for the case of the show here. The group that I lead, all of these functional domains, before I officially started leading these, we had an aggregate of about 100 or so, maybe not, maybe in the 90s or so people in all of these areas. And I like to look at it as a percentage of total employee population in the organization. So if you have 1,300 employees and you've got 100 people in the support functions, you've got a ratio there that you can kind of measure or gauge performance or output of. So over the years, as I have stepped in and started leading these other teams, building the people and a combination of that and improving processes has been a, a very intentional focus of mine. And so whenever I look at now, our metric is the same 1300 employees, but 61 people across all of those teams, the same amount of work is being done, but you're doing it with almost half of the population in terms of support functions. That impacts the PL significantly because that's 40 less salaries that you have to contend with. And the work is still getting done. And a lot of the reason behind that is People that are inspired and motivated and know that there's opportunities for growth and that they see that their leader genuinely cares about them and building and developing them, their productivity is going to be higher. And if you think about productivity as amount of out, work output per unit of time, you see people that are far more productive and others that are not productive. And you're always going to have that to some extent in the organization. But if somebody knows that they're being invested in and that you are building them up, their productivity is going to be much higher because they want to be a part of something. There's a sense of fulfillment whenever you are creating something great and know that you've got a team of like-minded individuals that's working around you. And so I think that is a, a beautiful example of the importance of investing and in building your people. And you can quantify that. Now, this change occurred over a three-year span of time, or three and a half year span of time. So a CFO looking at that is not going to necessarily see that ROI right up front. But you can feel the impact in the organization very soon. You might not see the financial impact of it immediately, but you can definitely feel it when you get the right leader leading a team. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And you know what? It starts with that feeling. And when you feel the feel, then you know the financial end is coming. You will see it because that's where it starts. And it takes some time. 
Oh my gosh. And you know what I was thinking is you're saying this is like empowered, right? These people want to do more. They want to have a bigger part. They want to contribute and they're empowered to do it. And therefore they have no problem working with 40 less people. They want to do as much as they can. And they mm-hmm. want to be empowered and empower others in that. And I love that so much. So let me ask you this. You've done, you've been in different, you know, areas of corporate with IT and HR and safety. What would you say as the leader and the developer of the people, what is the common theme that you are we're seeing in those positions of the people, where's the weakest link there? Where have you had to do the most work? Mm. There's a quote that comes to mind, and that is, culture is created by the worst behavior tolerated by leadership. And a lot of times you have people that are truly toxic to the culture, but because they're best friends with the boss, they end up sticking around. And what that does is it drives away all of the great talent. And many times that senior leader is afraid to have a difficult conversation with their friend. And yes, it can be challenging to be a boss and have a friend that works directly for you because not everybody's able to delineate friendship versus business. It can be done. It's not easy, but it is. I mean, it's challenging, quite frankly. But you have to be able to identify those toxic people and cut them out. And they exist everywhere. And everybody knows who they are. Simon Sinek, I saw a message from him, which I kind of still chuckle at. It's like, everybody knows who that person is. You walk into a room and say, who's the asshole? And everybody knows who it is. The problem is, what do you do next? Because if you identify who that toxic person is and then do nothing, that sends a powerful message. And those high performers are going to get fed up with carrying the load of this person who's just destroying the culture and around an organization, and they're going to leave. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Or they threaten to leave, they get a pay increase, and that hits the PL, and then you end up with this bloated PL with all of these salaries and all of this overhead because you're having to pay in the top 90, 95 percentile to keep talent. Ultimately, the good talent will realize that it's not about the money anymore, and they're going to go somewhere where they have the opportunity to grow and not contend with toxic people on their team. They say that most people leave their jobs or careers. Yeah. Because of bad leadership, not because of money, not because of the job. And that's a perfect example. You know, it's true. One bad apple, right? So what, you end up paying all these other people extra money to put up with the drama that this one person, oh, it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Uh, this That's such a good example. And by the way, I love Simon Sinek too. So yep. He yep. said so many amazing things I, that I'm just like, dude, you're a genius. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So one thing I would like to add on to that really yeah, quickly is there are some people, all they care about is the money. They don't care about their boss. They don't care about the culture. All they care about is dollars in their pocket. And one of the things that, that blew my mind, because it wasn't even part of my scheme, I could never even comprehend that. But that is how some people operate. 
And that speaks to the importance as a leader for you to know what motivates Jason and Sally and John and Jacob. You have to sit down and understand what motivates these people. And people in a sales role, they're probably going to be motivated by dollars in their pocket. And that's okay, as long as you can afford it. And it works well for the organization where you get into a bind is if that person that you're paying a lot of money is the toxic individual, you still have to have that uncomfortable conversation. And not a lot of business leaders are willing to sacrifice the potential revenue that that salesperson is bringing in to eliminate a cancerous person in the organization. So as a leader, you've got to have uncomfortable conversations and you have to address the issue. So just one thing worth noting is, is, is the importance of understanding what motivates and drives certain people. Some people, it's healthcare benefits. Some people, it's salary. Some people, it's wanting to love their boss and team. So as a leader, just make sure you know what drives people and why they do what they do. That's funny that you say that and added that on because that my next question was, what is the one biggest thing that you that has served you? in developing these people? Is there one strategy? It sounds like you just said it, but is there something else you want to add to that? Uh, of You know, where where does that come in? Oh. Is there like the Sean Barnes way of like working <laughs> it out? <laughs> um, I don't know if I would say there's, there's one way of doing it. Aside from really just boiling it down to understanding your people and genuinely caring about them and understanding what motivates them and and drives them. Once you understand that, then you start creating opportunities. Like I'm I'm thinking through a member on my team who who loves to draw and paint, very, very artistic. So as a leader, finding a way to tap into that passion that that person has and say, Hey, can you, can you work on these presentations and make them pretty and, and make them great? Can you work on the website for us? And so as a leader, knowing what that person is passionate about and then creating an opportunity for them to do that thing. And you can't always create those opportunities, but if you have it in the back of your mind and know, Hey, the next time there's an opportunity to come up, I'm going to put her on this project that's going to inspire a motivator and she's going to want to keep doing doing that for you. So again, it just kind of goes back to understanding your people and your team and creating opportunities, not just waiting for them to come up, creating those opportunities. I love it. That's awesome. Oh my gosh, what a great conversation about leadership here. This is amazing. So Sean, tell us about your podcast the Way of the Wolf. It is absolutely one of my top favorite of all times. You know that. Uh, and uh, so tell us, how did that come to be? How did you birth that? Why? Yeah. What, what is your intention? Well, there's a few things to it. There's a few components to it, I should say. One is obviously I have this passion for developing people. And I started thinking about my journey and all the mistakes that I've made over the years. And there have been a lot of mistakes. And I was thinking, how can I help more people compress the amount of time it takes to get to their ultimate goal, whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. 
I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm in this role, my full-time job, I'm able to impact these people or these lives. What can I do above and beyond that? And I was talking to a friend of mine at the gym and he said, well, why don't you start a podcast? And this was two and a half years ago. Well, a little over that. And <laughs> I just kind of had this, <laughs> oh, mm, 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 because I've been a hardcore introvert my entire life. Just that typical IT nerd. I can say that because I am one. <laughs> and plugging away on my computer, working on servers and data centers. So creating a podcast or a YouTube channel, no, was not something I was all about. And he pushed me. He's like, ah, come on, you can do it. And and so I thought about it and reflected. And I saw him in the gym a few weeks later. He's like, okay, I'm going to create a podcast. I'm going to release a show every two weeks. He's like, no, 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 you're going to do it every week. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. All right, fine. So I made a commitment to start the show. And it started off just audio. And then I think a few episodes in, I started putting my cell phone up and recording video to put on the YouTube channel. But I really started it just sharing my experiences and what I had learned, how I had learned the importance of understanding people, the importance of effective communication. And so the, the intent was twofold. One, to be able to help people grow, but then also to push myself out of my comfort zone and force myself to grow in the process. And it has been a journey. And I mean, you've had the, your show for a while, and I, I haven't gone back to look at your, your very first episode, but I know my first few months of episodes were not great. I'll just <laughs> I'll leave it at, at that. But I'm always going to leave those shows up because I want people to understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. And so what I've learned in this process is how fulfilling it is to be able to impact more lives from the YouTube channel and the podcast. People will message me out of the blue. Hey, this really resonated with me. Thank you so much. It's forced me out of my comfort zone. I've been able to learn and grow. And I've gotten to a point where I actually speak at, at events and get up on stage. I had my first keynote speech a couple of months back, which was really exciting for me. And I talked about how to, to blend people and technology to positively impact an organization. And so I'm able to positively affect more lives, but then also grow myself. And I've realized that I've become a better conversationalist in the process as well. Because again, I was that hardcore, hardcore introvert that if I ran into you at a party or an event, if I don't know you, I'm not talking to you. Whereas <laughs> now I will make an effort to walk up and have a conversation with somebody. And one of the things that has struck me the most is I mean, there are so many people out there that have incredibly inspirational stories. Yes. And it helps you realize, oh, wow. Take an inventory of the life that you're living. And I guarantee you somebody has had it much worse. It doesn't matter how bad you have it. There are people out there that have had it much worse. And so it really shifts your perspective. And and that's, you know, a, a possibly a segue into the importance of shifting that perspective and coding your mind with gratitude so that you're appreciative for all the things that you have in life. And when you do that, man, your life changes significantly for the better. I love what you're saying here, Sean. You know, I'm a big advocate for podcasting. And um, 
you know, the, the other thing, I love all of that because there's no truer the, the words than what you just said. The transformation that comes when I help someone launch a podcast is unbelievable to watch them step into that next level. And I know you did that, you know, not going through my school, but I know you did that and you yeah. felt that and that moved you into that next place where you were just putting yourself out there a little more. But the other thing too is people don't realize how much knowledge they have stored in their brain from their experiences. And I bet you probably realized that too, when you sat down and started recording, you're like, holy smokes, where did this come from? Like we, you know, if you were to just sit down with a piece of paper and write down everything you could talk about, everything you could talk about for 15 minutes, you would be amazed at the lifetime of content you would have to share on a podcast, yep. whether it's your own or if you're a guest on a show. And mm -hmm. I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. I yeah. think we we really sell ourselves short in how much we really know because we mm -hmm. store it and we forget about it, right? I love yeah. all of this. And I love the way of the wolf. Oh my <laughs> gosh, you guys. The link is in the show notes. So be sure to click the link. You are going to fall in love with this as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a few of my favorite episodes, but I absolutely love it. And I love, Sean, I love even when you go on social media and just record something sitting on a rock, you know, mm -hmm. like those moments of clarity that you're able yeah. to share with people and just drop a nugget. So I mm -hmm. love how you even morphed into, you know, podcasting, but then also other social media platforms where you're also giving free. Right. And so yeah. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And what a smart way to build a community as well. Uh, as you launch this new company. So I love this so much. That is, that's a great point. And something that I would like to touch on before you and I started recording, we were talking about the challenges with entrepreneurship and, and how people will step off just because they don't like their boss and, and go do something and, and then realize, oh, wow, maybe my boss wasn't so bad. <laughs> but I've known, I've had this fire inside of me knowing that I wanted to build my own business for for half of my life. And yeah, I had these failed attempts right out of college, which is unfortunate. I learned a lot from them, went into corporate America, learned a lot in the process. But I've known for years that this was something that I was going to do. And what I started doing whenever I created the podcast, not the first year, but probably the second year in, I realized that I had created this opportunity for myself to build my brand into one of a leader that's focused on helping people out, not doing it for the money, not doing it for the fame or the glory or anything like that. As you know, I don't monetize the show. I never will monetize the show. That's not the intent. The show is genuinely focused on helping people out. Well, in the process, I've started building this brand for myself on my social media platforms. And then I came to realize that when the day came for me to launch my own business that is focused on building people, improving processes and leveraging technology, that I would have already established a brand that was years in the making. And so now, whenever I step out, whenever I have conversations with people like, oh, yeah, I've been watching your content for years. It's great. 
perfect. What's going on in your organization? How are things going? Is there anything that we can potentially help you out with? So I'm not just some rando on the internet trying to sell you something. I've already built a brand for myself. People know who I am. And a lot of times people have this knowledge locked away inside of them. And whether it's a fear of public speaking or fear of being judged on the internet, they are not willing or they're too afraid to go share their knowledge. And we all have so much knowledge that we can share and help people. And what you have to do is acknowledge that fear and then push it to the side and say, my purpose is greater than that fear. And so here's what I'm going to do. Yes. it's, It's worked out beautifully for me. Again, building your own business, as you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And people, you've got to get out there and start following your passion and purpose. And no, it is going to take years of effort and work to get it right. No kidding. It does. But once it's right, it's right. And then it takes off and you forget about all those years because you're like, we made it. I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of making it, let's talk about WSS Solutions. Love this. So what does, first of all, WSS stand for? Okay. Well, it started off as Wolf Strategic Systems and Solutions. So there's there's an underlying theme of, of wolf just because I would say that's my spirit animal. Whenever you look at the alphas and how they take care of their pack and, and the way they operate, that's definitely my spirit animal. So WSS is really Wolf Strategic Solutions. And the focus of what we do is really people, process, and technology. Building people, investing, and developing the people in your organization. Focusing on process improvement, mapping out all of your existing processes, identifying waste and opportunities to streamline those so your business can operate faster. And then on the tail end of it, leveraging technology, digital transformation and figuring out, okay, how do we go through this digital transformation to ensure that our people, our processes and the organization as a whole are operating as efficiently as possible? And so really, that's the intent of WSS and, and how we come in and add value to, to the people and the organizations we work with. And, you know, one of the things that I, I like to point out as a differentiator is, yes, we can come in and do your IT application implementation. But along the way, we are also coaching, mentoring and guiding and developing the people on your team so that they can do it on their own down the road. And so really the value prop is you don't have to hire an IT consulting firm and a leadership development consulting firm. We blend those two aspects together. And so you get a much greater bang for the buck whenever you work with us. I love that. Plus, you don't have to coordinate a lot of other people, right? It's hard when you're working with all these different people and you're trying to keep Mm -hmm. them all in the same place. So that's amazing. I love that. So are you mostly working with large corporations or do you have some work you can do with smaller business owners, CEOs, CFOs? I have a soft spot in my heart for startups and small businesses. I would say the ideal target that we try to focus in is anywhere from 100 to 1500 employees. 
I have intentionally chosen those sizes as kind of our target, and there are outliers on the top end and on the bottom end. But that's our, our prime target that we go after because one of the things that I've observed over the years is that a lot of businesses, entrepreneurs, they get to a point whenever they hit 100 to 150 employees where they kind of stall out and they're not really familiar with what systems and processes to put in place to further scale their business. Because once you get to that headcount threshold, you have to start restructuring the way that you think. You have to start implementing actual support functions of HR, of IT to support the organization so that it can further grow and scale. And that is just a skill set that not a lot of entrepreneurs have experience in. And so it's not even part of their schema. And so I have a, a soft spot in my heart for businesses that are kind of at that size range and then everything up to about 1,500 or so employees Again, we have clients that are larger, but what I have found is organizations, once they eclipse that threshold, they become steeped in politics and bureaucracy and red tape, and it becomes increasingly difficult to affect change at scale. And one of the big focuses is our ability to step in and make a significant impact in a short period of time. And if there's too much red tape to cut through, we're not truly adding the value that we can. And so another, I would say, differentiator is the fact that I'm comfortable walking away from work if it's not a good fit. I don't want to land a big project just to be able to get access to that revenue if we could potentially fail on the implementation because maybe the customer is just not quite ready or they don't have the right leadership that's willing to change. It's, it's much more about our ability to come in and add value and help build the organization. So very long-winded way of saying that's kind of our target demographic. And we work in all sorts of different verticals. There's a lot of oil and gas, but we also have life sciences, the manufacturing and things like that as well. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so excited for this. Uh, you know, I'm going to be your one of your biggest cheerleaders, right? <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. Oh, Sean, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this today. All things leadership, organizational, just, oh my gosh, amazing. So let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Okay. I think LinkedIn is probably the best place. And it's just going to be linkedin.com forward slash Sean Barnes. I believe it is, or just search my name. It actually shows up as one of the top hits on, on LinkedIn or even Google. I think I'm the second hit on Google. So that's pretty exciting. Yes. Great way to start a new company. <laughs> that's yep. awesome. Well, thank you so much. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad and the ugly. I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing 
their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. On She's Invincible, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share expert zones of genius, which you've done so well. So thank you so much. But we're not done because we promise our listeners that while we're doing that, that we're going to pull back the curtain. See, entrepreneurship can be difficult. It is not easy. We make it look easy. We get to the success and then everyone sees the success and they never see the journey. So it's our mission to share the journey with our listeners, to inspire them and encourage them and let them know, like, keep going. Like, it's not easy. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to get fixed. You just have to keep going, right? You overcome each obstacle as it goes, as it shows up, and you just keep going until you get where you want to be. And then it looks easy. So are you ready to pull back the curtain and share some? Of your great stories. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Well, I love to start with the good. I'm the one, when you say you want the good news or the bad news, I'm like, bring all the good stuff. So let's start with the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. I'd have to say that the greatest part of my journey, which I kind of touched on earlier, was how the majority of my life, technology was my passion and purpose. And yes, I needed a challenge. And yes, I stepped in and started leading human resources. I did not recognize the incredible opportunity that I was given just by raising my hand. Because once I stepped in and started leading human resources, yes, it was like drinking from a fire hose for the first year. It was extremely challenging. Being able to figure out how to juggle IT and HR and 
one moment put my IT hat on and focus on data, logic, and analytics. And then the next moment put my HR hat on and then focus on 2000% emotion all of the time and flip-flopping back and forth. That was challenging, pushed me out of my comfort zone, but it also helped me grow. And while I never truly let go of the technology piece, it's still a part of who I am, but I was able to bring a lot of that logic to the HR component and the, the human side of things. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, but it does allow me to remain calm and collected. And so whenever I think about, okay, why is that good? It has given me the opportunity to understand that building and developing people is my purpose in life. Yes, I still love technology. But the fulfillment that comes from building others and seeing them accomplish the great things that sometimes they didn't even see in themselves, I, I just can't begin to ex describe how fulfilling that is for me. And I, I mean, even growing up, you, you would hear people talk about how fulfilling it is to help others. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I want this new Corvette. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll worry about it later. <laughs> it's... It's difficult to describe. And someone like yourself, Cammie, who, who understands the value and how fulfilling it is to help people with your school and helping people launch their podcast and stuff. It's one of those things that until you do it, it's difficult to describe. But once you do, it changes your life completely. So it wasn't one incident or one situation or story as much as an evolution of Sean over that first year and recognizing that this is my mission and purpose in life now. Uh, and as you say that, all I can think of is imagine if you didn't have the guts to raise your hand. Oh, man. Well, I didn't for years. <laughs> right. For a long time. Right. Imagine if you didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my gosh. I just I just have to stop for a second and say that because. There are people still today that are afraid to raise their hand. And every time they don't, they're prolonging and delaying the passion and the success and the joy of doing the things that you're in alignment with that you maybe don't even know yet. That is yeah. amazing, Sean. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, that was fun. <laughs> but now <laughs> we got to go to the other part, right? And so yep. let's save the ugly for last. Let's tell our listeners okay. a story about the bad part mm. of this journey. Okay. I I have a story here that is probably going to resonate with every single person that's listened to it. And it was, oh, probably about 12 years or so ago. I was working in, an, in IT for an oil and gas company had a, a fairly large team of about 23, 22 engineers at that point in time. And I, I hadn't been in that leadership role for very long, or at least with that significant scope, that many engineers, that many servers and data centers that I was responsible for leading. But I was very focused on the technology, designing and building the data center, WAN architecture and all the geeky technology stuff. That's what I loved doing. There was a year where we had an opportunity to build an entirely new data center environment from scratch, parallel to our existing environment. I worked like crazy for a year, working 70, 80 hour weeks for almost a year straight. It actually was very detrimental to my health, but I hit every single milestone, every single deadline. 
done, 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 done. At the end of the year came time for my performance review. And our then director of IT, which I still have a great relationship with today. And we sat down and I was, I thought I was being honest with myself and like, oh, I'll probably get like a 3.8 on a scale of five, 3.8, 3.5, something like that. Because there were things I could have done better. I sat down and he gave me a two. My jaw dropped and I thought, okay, okay. At first, there was this rage inside of me. And I thought, no, 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 hold on. This is somebody else's. This is not mine. Clearly, I have been working like crazy. He let me get all of that off of my chest. And once I was done, he looked at me and he said, I scored you based on you being a leader. Yeah, you did work 78 hours a week. Yes, you did meet every single deadline. But you also had a team sitting out there that was working 35 to 40 hours a week, clocking out, going home, just enjoying their evenings, doing their thing. As a leader, you did not leverage the people on your team. You were focused on getting it done. And yes, you did get it done. But you had a team of over 20 engineers at your disposal who were just coasting. Once you're in a leadership role, you have to focus on empowering them building them and leveraging them. And initially my response was, well, this guy, you know, he, he doesn't understand it. He's like, yeah, you're supposed to get him to understand it. I was like, well, this guy's lazy. Well, if he's too lazy, you need to get him off the team. So there will be times in life when you don't get the news that you want. You don't get the score that you want on your performance review, but you have to listen to that feedback and figure out how do you incorporate that feedback to be better. Mm. Wow. I, I There's so many lessons in that story, Sean. <laughs> I know you have so many too, and I imagine that's part of your increased passion for leadership, right? This, that was, was that your pivoting point, the pivotal moment in that conversation that... It was an important moment. Yeah. But what I discovered is I left that company and went into an IT consulting firm for a while. Actually, let me backtrack a little bit. My last six months at that company, I transitioned into a solutions architect role where I was just focused on the technology. And I was happy and fulfilled and it was working out well. And then I was approached by an IT consulting company saying, hey, we would like for you to lead all of our engineers. And, you know, I wasn't, I was open to opportunities, but not aggressively looking. And so I went, I landed there, ended up leading all their system engineers. And then I wasn't even there a year before I was approached by the leadership of the company that I'm at now uh, to step into an, a director of IT role. Mm. And at that moment, I came to this realization because I was struggling for a few years of, do I pursue a path of technology and solutions architect, or do I pursue a path of leadership? And when I landed in the role as the director of IT, I said, okay, there's something here. I keep finding myself in leadership roles. I have to start embracing that my path is meant to go down one as a, as a leader. And so that was, I wouldn't say a pivotal turning point, but it, it did kind of 
course correct and help nudge me in a better direction. It still took a little bit longer for me to kind of recognize, okay, I do need to, to own this leadership path that I'm going down, but it, it was something that I will never forget. And <laughs> I actually had a conversation with him, that previous director about a year ago. I was like, could you have not maybe told me that throughout the year instead of giving me a two? It's like, well, it wouldn't have been as impactful. And ultimately that two on your performance review hasn't hindered your growth at all. It's helped. It's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been nice to get some clues. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that would have made the course correct a lot easier. Oh my yeah, goodness. Exactly. That's crazy. But I might not have learned the lesson had it not slapped me across the face like it did. So, right. you know, I do believe that everything in life happens for a reason. And looking back, there are times like, oh, God, that was hard. Ooh, that was tough. But mm. anyways, it all happened for a reason. And that was just the bad. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, now we have to share your ugly story. Do you have an ugly story you can share with us? I do. It was an integration that I was working on. Once again, crazy long hours. Uh, this one was different in that we had a, a senior executive that was... Um, we'll say maybe an undeveloped leader and was kind of ruled with an iron fist. And if you don't meet this deadline, you're losing your job type of a situation. And myself and my team, there was a, a go live that we were doing over the holidays where we were all actually pretty much eating, sleeping and living at the facility for about three weeks straight, working actually about a hundred hours a week and just sleeping on couches. Or, I mean, it was, it was pretty brutal. And then when you have a boss who's threatening your job and threatening consultants, it, it was extremely challenging to try to figure out how to navigate through knowing that everyone on your team and even other teams that are part of this are giving everything they have living at the facility. And then you've got somebody ruling with this, this iron fist. That was probably the ugliest aspect of my career, just because we were all doing everything we could. But it was just like every time you turn around, slapped across the face with a sledgehammer. Well, you didn't do this good enough. You didn't do this good enough. And I actually made a post on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago talking about that integration and that chat and how challenging it was. But once again, looking back on it, I developed skills and learned how to deal with those challenging people. I think it helped build me in to that calming force. And so mm. one of the things that I've learned over the years is you have to shift your perspective. Life is going to be tough. Life as an entrepreneur is brutally tough. But if you come to the table with that perspective of finding that silver lining and asking yourself, what is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from this challenging situation that I have been faced with? It helps. It doesn't make it any easier when your boss is yelling at you and screaming. It doesn't make it any easier in that moment. But it does shift your perspective slightly and help you realize. I'm learning from this. I'm growing from this. And that's what's important. Yes. I, you know, and it's hard to do when you're in the middle of it, right? But 
<laughs> but uh, my line is, this is going to make me better. I don't know how. <laughs> this is what I say when I want to just <laughs> jump out the window. <laughs> this is going to yeah. make me better. I just don't know how, but I know it will. <laughs> yep. Oh, my gosh. Well, Sean, this has been amazing. Any last uh, things you'd like to mention? Anything you want to add here to this amazing conversation? One of the things that I've found so important in my life is that there is always a silver light. You may not see it right off the bat. You may have to search for it. You may have to look really hard for it, but it always exists. And every single time there's an opportunity for you to grow and be better. I love it. Oh my gosh. And on that note, you guys click the link in the show notes. Reach out to Sean, connect with him, talk to him about how he can support you in your journey. Oh my gosh, you definitely want to follow Way of the Wolf podcast. Absolutely amazing. You will love every conversation that you hear there. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your journey right now. Maybe you're face down on the ground. Just get back up. You got to just get back up. That's the first step. I know it feels like you can't do it, but I'm here to tell you, you can. Tell them, Sean. You absolutely can. Again, it's, it's life is tough. Life is going to be a challenging, a challenge for you. And I think the, the great philosopher Rocky Balboa said, it's not about how hard you hit, but it's about how hard you can get hit and keep going forward. Yes. And that's what my boxing gloves are all about. And so just get back up, get back in the game. You can do it one step at a time. You can do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.